What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross Like Music. And this is the Super Sunny Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Hello and welcome along to this month's edition of the Music for Modern Living Radio Show right here on Blue and Green Radio. You're locked in with me, Nigel Gentry. Party people, this is Mr. V of Confessions of a Curly Mind broadcasting through Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Ride the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Twisted Souls. You're listening to the Blue and Green podcast, and I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com. Welcome, friends. You're tuned in to another episode of the Blue in Green podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. My name's Imran. We massively appreciate your time and your company today. Uh, we have such a great episode for you today. So excited. Uh, before we get there, a uh, quick reminder that these this podcast series runs in conjunction with uh, uh, Blue in Green Radio, the online internet radio station. We're based in London, uh, but we're so fortunate to be able to host shows from across the world, including Japan, the States, Australia, and of course, London. I uh, would love for you to check us out at www.blueingreenradio.com. You can find our never-ending stream uh, housed there, as well as the complete back catalogue of uh, the Blue In Green podcast episodes. We release episodes on the first, second, and third Mondays of every month. Um, Primarily, it was a vehicle to talk to our amazing presenters, uh, again, from across the world. And... Um, it's kind of evolved uh, incredibly to be able to talk to, to fantastic artists that we're just so head over heels for. And uh, today's episode is exactly that. We have the incredible fortune to be able to spend time with um, Simon Ward, perhaps better known by his moniker of Dr. Rubber Funk. And uh, he's signed to Jalapeno Records. He's been signed to Jalapeno Records since 2008, which I think is a staggering achievement. Uh, he, uh, We're talking primarily about his brand new album, My Life at 45, which came out a little bit earlier this year. And uh, I, it's it's an episode, we, we do go a little bit long on this. Um, but I, I, it's his, his insight, his knowledge, his experience, it's invaluable and uh, I, I just, I'm just excited to have you guys hear it and uh, to kind of talk about the evolution of basically the music industry, how uh, he kind of talks about it from the sort of the 90s to now and I, I just I think it's, as I said, it's fascinating insight and um, to, to be able to pick his brains about the new album and about uh, so many other things, uh, it was just a, a, just an absolute pleasure. So. As I said, we do go a little bit long on this, but it's just, it's invaluable stuff. Um, but, you know, we didn't even get, there's a few things. <laughs> uh, I didn't even get to talk to him about um, his work as part of the Olympic Cyclone Band. Uh, you know, just time was against us, and uh, I, I would love to have spoke to him about that as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's a great episode. Uh, so huge thanks to him, huge thanks to um to our buddy Jade as well uh, for helping put it together and uh, shout out to Jalapeno Records because they're just having a great couple years and um, it's just been awesome to see it unfold so uh, regular listeners of the podcast will know uh, we feature two songs on the on each episode. Uh, our guest, of course, will, has the luxury of picking the closing number, uh, so that will rest with Simon Ward uh, at the show's completion. But I have the luxury of picking our opening one, and to pick anything uh, 
again we talk about we talk a lot about uh the back catalogue attached to uh, dr rubber funk and i'd love to have picked something like that but it just seems completely apt to um to go with something from the new album and i'm gonna pick uh his um uh, his very frequent collaborator Izzo fitzroy guesting on uh a little blase from the new album my life at 45 it's a great song and i'm excited about uh you guys hearing it if you've yet to do so so thank you very much quick reminder uh you can find us at www.blueingreenradio.com um and uh my name's Imran we're about to spend a lot of time with uh Simon Ward so I very much hope you guys enjoy the show a little blase about the games that we play I'm a little blase I'm wondering if you'll stay Tired of this conversation All of the sounds you're making I'll let your chatter run while I sink into the abyss The silence here is bliss A little blase About the dangers that I face I'm a little blase about the terrors that we raise Will we wind up like before? Or will I find myself aboard? Let's quit while we're ahead Live our own lives instead Not force the issue and let's float on a happily downstream Sinking further into the sea Oh, you think that I'm unresponsive I think you're too emotive And we carry on in circles Till we're dizzy falling down Will we ever come back around? Blase, it's a little, little blase. I'm a little blase, it's a little, little blase. It keeps me here, it keeps me strong. But let's move this thing along. I'm a little blase, it's a little, little blase. I'm a little blase. It's a little, little blase Blase Little blase, it's a little, little blase. 
Yeah, well, I really appreciate you taking the time. Sorry to interrupt your quarantine life uh, as well, I imagine. <laughs> All yeah. the important things you would have been getting up to otherwise. Well, How- uh, the home learning is uh, yeah, oh. proving a challenge, as I'm sure it is for most of us. Yes, um, it's difficult, isn't it? But we've done uh, a very, um, uh, what's the word, a frustrated half an hour of home handwriting practice this morning. Okay. Uh, and it's that thing of he can clearly do, he's only five, but he can clearly do what we're asking him to do. And it's just like, how many ways can we draw this out? Uh, and I think the worst thing of it all is recognizing that in myself as well. It's like, oh, I don't really want to do this now. I want to go and do something <laughs> more fun. And it's like, you've got to do your homework before we can do the fun stuff. That's what we're doing in the morning. We've given up trying to do anything like that in the afternoons. Uh, it... Well, we kind of persevere. Like, it's we have we have two. One's uh, turning four tomorrow. Oh, amazing. And the other Happy one birthday. is nine. Yeah, it's a birthday quarantine. Is We've had... Um, the one that just turned nine was about three weeks ago Oh right, on the 8th of April. So we've had one birthday quarantine. The next one is, is tomorrow. Um, and it's, it's really difficult. The nine year old is, is not having it. No, she just can't it's motivate summer, herself. Summer holidays. That's yeah, fine. totally. They're convinced it's the summer holidays and it's very, very difficult. But how, how are you sort of from a, from a, from a musician standpoint, how are you finding this whole, this whole process i mean this is peak album promotion time this yeah, is you... i mean it's i guess we were fortunate in the uh, most of the hard work is done last year so the stuff where you need to be out and about and getting stuff to uh for manufacturing you know you want to know that the pressing plants are running uh when we're sending we you know we're working on the artwork um, again, that that's something that between myself and the guys at the Jalapeno office, you know, we're kind of working remotely anyway. They're they're down the road in Brighton. I'm up in um, Surrey, so you know, I'm down there for meetings occasionally, but it's largely done over the phone and you know, email in the hand in the homework when it's ready. <laughs> um, so we were lucky that we we were ahead us ahead of ourselves working towards a February release date. So. Uh, all of that stuff was done at the tail end of last year because Christmas kind of comes along in the music industry on about the 7th of December um, and people start kind of closing down for four mm. weeks. Um, so we wanted to make sure that most of what we were working on was done back in November. Um, and then you think, well, that gives me a bit of time to uh, you know, think about the things that we need to be doing for when the album is released and working on uh, mixes for people and and the the kind of DJ side of things. Um, But at the same time, I had started looking and talking to people about DJ dates for later in the year. Um, I I guess I'm fortunate in that I'm not relying on a lot of touring income, uh, which obviously quite a lot of my, you know, label mates and contemporaries, um, you know, Izzo and Smooth and Terrell mm. uh, on the label, that they're, they're touring, they've got touring bands. They're a kind of full touring concern. And uh, Smooth and Terrell have got an album lined up in a couple of weeks, uh, yeah. that's, you know, due in June and, and a full summer of touring to support that. So 
I, I'm fortunate in that I'm not relying on that. Um, and in some ways that I, I can operate from home, my studio's at home. So again, I'm not having to travel to a studio space, which again, friends of mine, you know, aren't able, they, they, they've kind of had to create kind of basic setups at home, but they don't have access to everything else that they would normally be working with. So it, it's okay and I can still operate. And obviously um, minor technical issues aside, today we can do things <laughs> like this and it's brilliant to uh, be able to stay in touch with people um, and this idea of kind of remote working. But in some ways I'm quite used to doing that anyway because quite a lot of what I do is on my own. Um, so there's a, you know, there's a family adjustment to the three of us all being here um mm. and trying to find our new routines um but i'm able to get some things done um but you don't want to sound too i don't know it's it's hard to balance spring is still springing isn't it out there the the yes. time is passing and i certainly don't feel flippant about the whole situation and for hundreds of thousands of people this is a terrible terrible period of their lives and dark days for a lot of mm. people um but you you have to balance that with the ability to do what it is that you do um i think uh otherwise where are we we're all kind of lost um so you there has to be an element of looking forward i think without um dismissing what's happening right now um mm. and attempting to help in the ways that we can help um but yeah, that that feel, you feel a little bit. Uh, what's the word? You know, how relevant is it for for me and my issues uh, in trying to you know make a record or promote a record? It, it seems a little bit uh, unimportant at these times. But I'm equally conscious of how much of an impact music has on me. Uh, and the fact that I'm still able to switch the radio on and listen to shows and there are guys like yourself putting together and, and spending, you know, people are spending days and days putting together content for us all to enjoy. Um, and for a lot of people, they are at home. They don't have projects maybe that they're working on. They're maybe not able to work from home. They might be, uh, you know, furloughed from their job. That's a word we none of us knew a month ago isn't it <laughs> yeah. um, and my son's like yeah because uh, so has been furloughed and i'm like what are you <laughs> don't you start using this word um and you're conscious that, and a lot for a lot of people they've lost their jobs as well uh so you're at home you're trying to find a new future but you know people turn to entertainment uh as a distraction or you know for comfort uh at times like this so if you're putting together things for the radio and for TV, you know, there are people doing amazing work. Um, and so much has sprung up, hasn't it? You know, Joe Wicks yeah. needs a, needs a uh, uh, I don't know, a mention in dispatches, doesn't he? And, and there are other people who've suddenly flipped to their YouTube channel to be, to become a kind of a daily learning center. Yeah. And I mean, even the BBC have suddenly switched back on their kind of uh, ramped up the educational content alongside yes. uh you know people still being able to operate uh in in a larger broadcast sense so for for me and you to be able to work from home suddenly there's a lot of technology that's being made available 
uh, free or at reduced prices to enable us to continue to be creative. So it does feel weirdly like a strong time for that kind of thing. But that's balanced by the fact that you know that coming down the road, there's still some really, really hard times for a lot of people. Yeah, I think that it's I th- everything you've said is is perfect. I mean, I think from a music industry perspective, the way that they have had to adapt to to it. I mean, the amount of artists that do sort of uh, online, uh, like Facebook uh, performances from their homes, uh, yeah. is one thing. You know, yeah. some I know some artists. I can't think of names, but some artists were sort of that they, they'll request like a, a dollar or a pound like contribution, and then they you know, give you access to their Facebook uh, for them to, to see their performances. There's lots of live uh, uh, free DJ, gosh, the incredible amount of live streaming DJs that are all jumping into their, um, onto their decks from their bedrooms now is huge. Labels, yeah, yeah. all their flash sales on Bandcamp. So yeah, yeah. there, there is mean, a lot happening, isn't there? The, it feels like there's a, there, there is a support network uh, in within the industry. It, it's felt like a bit of a, weird and broken industry for the last 10 years probably but 20 years ago we were in the kind of napster limewire era yeah uh you know and 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 that still exists in parts of the internet to an extent that that idea of just file sharing let's just put music up and uh we should share it with everyone because that's good promotion right you know and Mm. i i find that argument a hard one to swallow yeah but equally youtube and spotify have built multi-billion dollar industries uh based on other people's content uh <laughs> you know so their, their whole business model they would argue otherwise um but the whole business model of streaming where spotify is somehow the product or youtube is the product it's like no the content is the product the product is the product you know it's yes you're using that uh and there's an awareness that 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 isn't right and maybe this period can bring about some change um and just yesterday spotify have switched on this kind of virtual tipping now on uh people's profiles and oh really i didn't uh, know that so now and and i kind of feel weird about that in some ways but then i'm never going to get rich from my streaming on spotify and i do reasonably well for somebody for an artist of my uh, you know uh minor (laughs) funk fame in the you know the corners the, the lower echelons of the music industry but just from having been around for a while uh my streaming numbers aren't too bad but then they're never going to make me uh a kind of a a living um Mm. and you think well actually i also spend quite a lot of time putting together playlists and you know thinking about the other content that i'm able to share online so actually some people feel they would rather support like that and send a few dollars or a few pounds via one of these kind of virtual tip jars uh rather than i mean i'd like it if people go to Bandcamp. uh you know i'm a big fan yeah. of that platform and it's built from an artist perspective so it feels um like Bandcamp are on your side which with a lot of the other services you don't feel like that and i don't want to it's that bite the hand that feeds you uh i i certainly agree that we need to work within the the, the industry 
to explore the different things that work and what does work, you know, but uh, there are so many streaming platforms and what does well for me on one platform doesn't work at all on another platform, you know, so um, I'd shout out to somebody who's using their Amazon uh, Alexa or something like that to request (laughs) Dr. Oberfunk songs uh, (laughs) multiple times a day. I think there's only two people doing it. And they aren't my parents either, by the way, just in case anyone's, my parents are resolutely offline. Uh, I'm sending them postcards, to, you know, and, and, and CDs for them to listen to. But they're not, it's not them. So I don't know who it is. But I get a little thing on my Amazon for Artists app. There's all these apps to help you, you know, oh, wow, okay. leverage your uh, profile and grow your brand and all those kind of horrible phrases that I don't like to use really mm. when talking about music, uh, but equally I don't want to get all kind of angsty and oh it's my art, you know, and it it kind of is, but it, and it's what I do. But you try and be realistic about the fact that we want to earn money about this, uh, earn money from this, and and it, there is a business. The music business is called the business because yeah. it's everybody apart from the artists who are able to have you know stable jobs and careers uh based around the things that we're trying to create so um yeah the the amazon for artists app tells me that i'm getting more than uh something weird there's a very kind of um damning with faint praise style uh uh phrase that they use that that implies that i'm getting far more voice requests than an artist with my kind of following should be getting oh, well. like your numbers suggest that uh, only a handful of people should be asking for you on Alexa but actually <laughs> somebody keeps asking for this same song so, so they're direct away. with it as well okay it, I can't I should have it up in front of me and then I could quote it but let's not give Amazon <laughs> any more airtime than they need until they start uh, behaving in a socially responsible manner Maybe it's funny, I was, it the idea of streaming was something I was going to sort of, I was going to, I had plans to sort of talk about near the end of the conversation because I was Sorry. always, I'm always curious. No, 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 not at all, not at all. But um, I'm always kind of curious for an artist like yourself, who's such a, like a vehement flag waver for vinyl and vinyl culture and music based off of that, uh, how you kind of make that, how you adapt to just streaming culture, you know, or making your music for like a, a vinyl based yeah audience or 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 following but then having this this you know encountering people who consume music from a streaming perspective i mean how do you kind of find that you try and um obviously you 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 want to be thinking about an audience you know in its entirety but these days that audience is so can be can be so varied in in terms of how people consume you know music or listen to music and the physical side of things has always been important to me but and mm. and that's just an age thing i just grew you we i grew up listening to records and i've since uh gathered a lot of them um and i like so there's an accomplice sense of a weird sense of accomplishment when you release your own music on a format that you have yeah. invested a lot of time in and uh, that's com- that's completely different for somebody who's 20 uh i mean maybe there has been that kind of 
vinyl is cool kind of vinyl is back you know those kind of bbc news articles once a year <laughs> for the last 20 years uh it, was on the rise you're right vinyl revival and look at what's happening and record store day and here are all the things that we can you know talk about on our news program once a year um and maybe for some you know teenagers and 20 somethings uh, that that is a thing uh, but I would agree that for a lot of them, it isn't. And if you're a 20 year old artist, you don't have to deal with any of those old business models that you had to deal with 20 years ago, where you needed help from a label, you needed the help from a distributor, you needed to have somebody to fund your pressing, you know, you need that upfront cash. Now you just export straight from Logic or Ableton and send it to SoundCloud or YouTube or maybe to a, a digital aggregator or a distributor for them to put it up on Spotify, Amazon, Tidal, Deezer, and it goes everywhere. And then mm. it's everywhere overnight. Uh, and you can try, along with the millions of other people doing it, to create a following. And maybe that's more impressive to somebody. I, I've worked with um, sixth form students uh and we were studying the music industry so they have to um listen to me rambling on about the old days uh <laughs> and what it was what it was like you know back in the 90s where you just pressed a thousand 12 inches and the distributor put them on a white van and drove them around the shops uh playing it wow. to the you know guys working in record shops who go yeah all right we'll take five of those or mm. oh yeah that's we've got loads of people who are like that we'll take 10 you know uh, and you try and shift a few into Japan and that's your thousand records. And that felt like a big accomplishment in 2001 to be able to do that. These mm. days, if I talk to the students and, and, and say, yeah, well, we now we're dealing with, uh, you know, a digital distribution model. And so my music's on Spotify and they start looking on Spotify and they're like, oh, you've had like 700,000 plays on that song. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that, that song's been on there for 10 years. <laughs> You know, so how's that working out for me? Slowly, but it's impressive for them to see me on the front page of iTunes or Apple Music. And it's like, oh, right, you're really famous. And I'm like, well, no, I don't have any uh, um, any kind of uh, uh, sense that I'm more famous than I am. Uh, I'm notorious, perhaps, is the word, maybe. <laughs> Uh, just by dint of having been persistent and hung around for a long time. Oh, Rubber Funk's back, is he? Oh, another record. <laughs> Ten years. Okay. What's he been doing? Uh, well, he's so, been DJing. He's been well, putting out hundreds of remixes uh, yeah, and that, that, countless right. projects. You tell him. You tell him. <laughs> that's the whole uh, point of this podcast the, is to tell point. people. That's it. We're telling them. This is how it is. Uh, but that, that uh, so for me, having that record in front of me, that physical item, and that nowadays comes with a bit of a dilemma. You know, should we be making more stuff for people to buy? Does anybody really need more stuff? And at the moment, when everyone's at home with probably quite a lot of stuff, I'm aware that there are hundreds of thousands of people who don't have anything at all and thinking about records and books and those kind of things are not on their radar and not important. They're thinking about how to put food on the table. Uh, mm. And 
and at the other end of the scale, there are people with billions of pounds that they will never spend in a thousand lifetimes. Uh, so there's there's something wrong, and I have to kind of find my place in that with creating stuff. Uh, and the vinyl is something I like doing, and I enjoy the process. And with this record, particularly, I kind of worked on the artwork, and we thought about how we wanted it to look. Uh, and the the project leading up to the album was to to release singles. Um, a bit like maybe you did do in the old days where you would just press a certain number of 12 inches or seven inches and, and sell those to a fan base. And having not put a record out for a long time, you question, does it, anybody care anymore? Does anyone really want another seven inch from me? So here's the music I like and I'm proud of uh, and that I'd like people to hear so let's approach it from that perspective. Let's see if we can do a series of seven inch singles. And weirdly, that also kind of works from a streaming standpoint. Lots more people are releasing single tracks uh, on streaming services because then you get to shout about it each time you release a new, uh, a new piece of music or a new song. Uh, you can then pitch for those playlists and you can you know talk to people about that blog feature or you know one of the bigger music sites so in some ways that kind of release lots of singles and then have an album at the end of that is the new uh digital model but it's quite like the old physical model of release lots of singles and you know see that single gain in popularity and pick up airplay uh, and that happens a lot more now. And I'm fortunate to have had some airplay, you know, around the world and in the UK on national stations and alongside the continued support of guys like yourselves, um, putting together, you know, specialist programming that used to exist uh, 20 years ago, longer back into the 90s, independent um, local stations and local BBC stations who had specialist programming uh a lots of that has faded away in the you know mm. interim kind of 30 years but it's been replaced by these brilliant little set corners of the internet uh where you can find that thing that you're really into and and share that kind of um ha have that shared experience with other people that that are passionate about a sound or a band or a label um and I, and I can benefit from that as well, not just as an artist, but uh, from a, you know, um, trying to get my music into those areas, but finding out about that music that I like in those same places. You're, if you don't mind me saying, you're very humble. I think when you sort <laughs> of say like about, oh, who's going to want a more rubber funk? I mean... Are you, are you, I can't imagine you need me to tell you this, but you're on like Jalapeno Records, which certainly in the UK is one of the leading labels for for vinyl released contemporary funk and soul. And I imagine that they chomp at the bit every time you make a sound about a new record, about a, sort of wanting to release something. I imagine they salivate at the idea of it. You've been with them since, is it 2008? 2008, yeah. That um, in of itself is an incredible that, achievement. That, like, I, I can't like... imagine. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say that that's lovely of you to say. And I'm 
very fortunate to have been able to work with them for uh you know over a decade and and that in itself you feel like okay that's i suppose that's quite a long time um <laughs> And, uh, it is, that, I think, to to have a, a an extended uh, to have a career as as long. I mean, that's just with Jalapeno. Obviously, your your website along the the front of the the top of the page is not a real doctor since ninety two. I mean, the the recording career is one thing, but the the to have the name Doctor Rubberfunk out there for as long as that yeah. is, I mean, that's it, it that's very rare. That it, I that I'm I'm fortunate. Uh, and thankful for because 92 was I was in my first year I think at university and I got involved with the student union um just I was I, I wasn't a DJ at all I was a drummer in a band and I'd got to university with a couple of friends who I'd been at school with and quickly kind of met uh, guys who were playing in bands and they were working with the student union and one of these guys said it's a really great time to get your band going if you've got a couple of people here get a band going and do some gigs around the colleges um, I was at Roehampton University in West London and at the time it was still the Roehampton Institute of Higher Education uh-huh. um, and, and it was based uh, across four colleges in that part of southwest london um and each college had its own identity of sorts and its own student union um but they were all putting on events the whole time so there was kind of a little circuit a mini touring circuit between these four colleges and the local pubs and places like the half moon in putney and the king's head in fulham uh, and the Grey Horse in Kingston and these kind of live music venues that used yeah. to put on a lot of these student bands. And there was almost a never ending, uh, you know, stream of student bands that would last a year or two. And then everybody goes off and gets proper jobs. Uh, but they would come and play at the pub and they'd bring, you know, 50 or 100 or 200 of their fellow students down who would then um, drink lots of cheap pound one pound pint beers uh and you'd have a a great night um and i remember thinking okay so maybe i should just get on and do this uh because it is an opportunity to play to your friends so you've kind of got your crowd on side the whole time so it's not Mm. like gigging in the real world so it's a kind of a little insulated uh setup but great for honing your chops you know and and working out what it is that you want to be doing um so I, I, having got involved with the the student union, they then said, "Oh, by the way, uh, you need to sort out the DJs for the Friday night event in the in the union bar." Um, and next Friday there is we haven't got anyone, so do you want to do it? And I had about fifty records at that point, and that was my entire record collection, and they're mostly albums, <laughs> quite a lot of blues and a bit of soul. Uh, and I said, "I don't know if I've really got." I mean, I'm happy to play this kind of music, but I don't know if it's what everyone's going to want to hear. Oh, don't worry. There's a massive crate of records that we've been buying for the last, you know, five years. And they pulled out this like coffin length case full of seven inch singles. And I started going through and thinking, oh, this, this, you know, and they were all from the late 80s, early 90s. Um, and mostly stuff that had been, you know, 
chart music when you could buy 99p seven inch singles yeah. um and things from Della soul and eric b and then those kind of big pop records of the time that dance crossover uh the kind of two unlimited kind of wow yeah you know pop ravey stuff that was coming out of dance music culture and as that kind of crossed into the mainstream and I thought, actually, I was always, I always quite liked listening to De La Soul and the Beastie Boys and Public Enemy. Uh, and I quickly hooked up with a friend who, who was far more knowledgeable about that sort of music than I was, um, who made me a tape like you did in those days uh, and said, oh, you, you might quite like this and this and this. And it snowballed from there very quickly. And by the end of the year, he'd come up with comedy uh, DJ names for himself and for me. Uh, and that, that's where the Dr. Robert Funk came from at that period. Um, and I I kind of put more energy into DJing and putting on events at college for the next two years than I did into my degree course, right. which was in geography uh, and environmental studies. So I get asked uh, quite a lot, what, so what did you study at university to, you know, have a career in music? And I'm like, well, <laughs> I didn't really, is the point. I could hang around the union. <laughs> uh, and and got into event production and you know um and then into djing and and then when college finished and you're like okay so i've got a degree and but what i really want to do is something to do with music um but i didn't know what at that point and you know you sort of think oh well i could be a dj and and djs were starting to become celebrities at that point as well mm. it was that early part of the 90s as as house music became more mainstream and big kind of dance music crossover records turned into you know album projects which you know, spawned a whole series of uh, uh of megastars at that period but i i wasn't even thinking that that was possible because how did you do that you needed a studio you yeah. needed an engineer you know it hadn't really become apparent that you could put together a home studio and and even then you still needed quite a lot of money the technology was still so new and sampling technology was so new computers were you know having a sequencer and a sampler in your in your bedroom uh, bedroom studios you know were, was that was still some way off for me so uh, it it is a long time ago now um so i'm grateful to to get back to your point <laughs> 20 minutes ago uh, <laughs> that, that I have been able to have this kind of career and the first record I released in 2001 um, I remember talking to people and, and doing interviews for you know uh, for magazines and and people always ask what so w what do you think about what's the future hold then you know and then I was thinking well you know I'd like to do another 12 inch and then perhaps we could do an album and that would be brilliant and 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 people are like, oh, yeah, but and so if you do that beyond that, what would you like to be doing? And I've always said I'd just like to be able to be creating, recording and releasing music until I'm too old to, you know, hold the drumsticks anymore, you know, and mm. kind of 20 years later, you think, well, OK, well, I'm sort of halfway to that period now. And here we are with another record um, that thankfully people are interested in and 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 want to hear about uh so that's good then isn't it i'm achieving that goal 
that you dream of, of being able to to keep doing it is all I've really wanted to, to do. I'd never had a, a goal or specific ambitions, um, but from time to time, opportunities present themselves and you're able to think, yeah, yeah, we need to make this one happen because this could be special. Um, and I and as you look back now, you, you think, okay, well, that was one of those times and that was another period. And I'm great. It's great that we got to do that with so-and-so. And, and now I'm putting together music with artists that, you know, I respect greatly who are my contemporaries. And you think, oh, okay. So I, I don't, I don't, it's hard to put yourself up next to, some of the people that I've been fortunate to work with um but all those experiences have been great and I haven't had to um you know they've they've been no divas that you know nobody that's been hard work or you think oh I wish I hadn't bothered never meet your heroes that kind of yeah, concept yeah. you know I'm I'm lucky that uh the people that I've been fortunate to work to work to work with have have been really into the project and and it isn't yeah. just uh you know that you don't ever feel like people are doing it just because there's some money in it there generally isn't a lot of money in it um or they're just doing it as a oh well you know we'll 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 knock this out in in 10 minutes um people have been genuinely interested to be part of the project and and that's that's great that that feels like an achievement in an in and of itself really how did you initially come to uh jalapeno records how did you guys initially meet? I, Trevor attention? and I were talking about this uh, not so long ago, and I think I was DJing at the end in London in about 2004, maybe, 2004 or five. Um, so the, my first album had, had been released at that point and had obviously made its way to you know a few DJs and labels um and i and crack and smack were djing at oh, wow. uh, at the end the same night that i was playing and i was sort of warming up for the for their um their appearance later on and so trevor was there with them they were over to do the dj set and i'd been getting some of their records as you know p- promos and sending back the little feedback sheet and saying i love this i'm playing it lots you know and then you get to meet them and they were all really nice. And Trevor was like, what, so what are you doing at the moment? You know, it was big. If you've ever got kind of some spare music, uh, it'd be great to do like a, a 12 inch or, or an EP. Uh, and I said, yeah, yeah, that would be great. Um, but what's this spare music thing <laughs> that people talk about? <laughs> I, I don't ever feel like I've been the most prolific. Um, but when there's, goal or a project then i'm i i've worked quite hard at finishing stuff finishing stuff is quite tricky i've got tons of stuff started i've probably got another three or four albums worth of music and ideas and demos um started but finishing stuff and then making it work you know as a body of work or as an album or as a ep uh, you know as a project um often doesn't feel very natural to me I've never felt like I'm not a natural musician I'm largely self-taught but uh, I don't practice hard enough on instruments Um, I've spent more time fiddling with with production um, and trying to hone that side of things so uh, 
it can be quite hard for me to nail that final sound that I'm after or that final kind of impact that you're looking for from a song or a track. Uh, so often stuff sits around for years before I'm like, okay, now I know how that needs to sound and, and, and then it will fall to fall into place or, or things come together. Uh, but if there's a good, half a good idea, I'll park it and wait for the right time to finish it. Um, and in the early days, that is a, that's an issue because people are asking you for stuff and you're like, right, but this is an opportunity. I could work with Jalapeno. They're a great label and I like what they're doing. So what, spare tracks have i got um so that that took a couple of years before we got to that spare track oh, wow. <laughs> spare track moment um and i actually in the meantime didn't did a second album which we talked to trevor about um and he was he was interested but at the time we were talking there was things were in a demo stage um and we had maybe four or five tracks um and you know he's busy with other projects i then just got on and finished the record and we released that ourselves and that was my life at 33 um which amusingly never came out on vinyl so the whole 33 rpm gag was lost because we didn't ever put it on vinyl um back in 2006 that just suddenly became too expensive digital services hadn't really arrived vinyl was had been on de- on the decline for the for the kind of previous 5 years piracy was still a kind of an issue um illegal download sites and itunes had only really just got going uh as a way of buying downloads and starting to earn money that way so uh yeah it was maybe 18 months after that second album came out we got some stuff together for for jalapeno and that when that came out in 2008 and then the album Hotstone followed it in 2010, um, and that's when I got to work with Roachford, and and he was someone, yeah. that I, you know, I'd listened to as a teen. Bought the tape, uh, had it. Uh, I remember just riding around on my bike with it on my Walkman, and and kind of so cool. daydreaming about you know what it might be like to be on stage with a band like that and and performing those kind of songs. And at that point, as a the only time I'd been on stage was at school, you know uh in the in the school assembly i remember playing with my mates who i'm still good buddies with you know now and uh, who who've been on my records over the years uh we did like a school assembly and it's still the single most terrifying thing i've ever done uh (laughs) the kind of curtains open it's 10 to 9 on a wednesday morning in in november or something you know and 600 pairs of eyes are staring back at you with a kind of like yeah what you got yeah impress me impress me yeah and i think at the time were we maybe are we maybe in the sixth form so you're kind of getting the the first years are all just sat at the front picking their noses um and (laughs) and then the kind of fourth years and fifth fifth form you know they're looking at you in the sixth form they're like come on then you what are you you know who are you what are you going to do uh and there's that air of kind of expectation uh and and the expectation that this is going to be terrible well um, there's the i think for kids it's the hope that it will be because kids are cruel aren't they oh yeah 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 especially from the fifth form yeah. Uh, yeah i can still remember them 
not that I hold grudges or anything uh, <laughs> like that. Did it go badly or? No, no. I, I okay. It was amazing. <laughs> I'd had the most brilliant. We, we kind of kicked into it and it was loud and I can't remember what we played. We were big into our kind of bluesy kind of power trio sound, which wasn't a sound like in the late 80s. That wasn't a popular sound. We're kind mm. of out of step playing, um, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan covers and, and listening wow. to uh listening to john mayle and the blues breakers and and stuff from 30 years previous but yeah we were uh, my guitar playing friend jim was was loud and i tried to play as hard on the drums as i could and uh you know you i remember seeing that look of surprise on the teachers faces as well like oh uh oh this is quite loud and also oh it's actually you know it's vaguely okay (laughs) And, uh, um, because again, it wasn't a school thing. We weren't like a school band supported by the school. It was just something we did in my bedroom on Sunday afternoons, you know? Um, and that, that's the, that's the thing, isn't it? And, and, and now you don't maybe have the, the same, uh, scenario exactly if you're 15, uh, but you, maybe you're just sat with your phone or your laptop and you're making beats and you can put that on SoundCloud and get an immediate reaction. Yeah. It's incredible. And it's a different, it's a different experience. It's not the same as having 600 terrifying, terrifying eyes boring into you. Uh, I got a job working for a radio station in London, um, that, just allowed me to drive around London promoting that radio station. That's all I did. Um, And I got hold of names and addresses and you couldn't just look them up. There was the the internet barely existed uh, in accessible form, but there were kind of secret music industry directories that you had to pay 85 pounds to get hold of the the white (laughs) book. And that held the key to, record label names and addresses um so by then i'd identified labels i thought were cool in london like acid jazz and talking loud and mo wax and those labels that i was listening to a lot um i looked up where they were and went and knocked on the door and said oh hello um i work for virgin radio uh and they were like oh come in uh (laughs) And then they're like, so what is it you do for Virgin Radio? Well, I'm part of the uh, marketing and promotions team, but I'm also a DJ. And they're like, oh, okay, do you want some records then? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Is that, is that how it works? This is amazing. Um, so at that point, you, you know, nod and try and smile and remember people's names uh, and forged a few relationships then that have been quite important to me in the kind of you know over the 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 next 25 years and that and that and that brings us to where we are now um where you're back with a record and you're back out to those kind of people again and and do you remember me and we did this thing once and uh Mm. you know do you fancy having a listen to this and you know uh you try and pay attention to those relationships over the years, even if you're not in touch with people all the time, um, just to, uh, to hang on to any kind of goodwill that may have existed in those sunny days of the nineties, uh, and see if you can leverage that without sounding mercenary about it. You know, <laughs> you, you try and, um, 
make it a kind of a collaborative or cooperative thing over the years. Uh, mm. And I try and do that for for artists that I feel I can support. Amazing. And 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 make and make a little bit more visible, um, whether that's just in my DJing or including in a playlist or mentioning in an article, uh, you know, and because that can make a big difference for uh, th- that whole discovery. Now there are so many ways to discover music now, um, whereas, and that's great. Uh, it's a great time to be. Um, making and releasing music because there are so many avenues and options. Um, but uh, as we've kind of talked about earlier, it's maybe not a great time to be trying to make money from music. Mm. Um, uh, and I'm fortunate, as I say, that the, the longer you're in it, the more the old stuff starts to, you know, generate some background kind of income um and things that you did a long time ago uh are still trickling in a, a few a few pennies and yeah yeah get get that track that's 10 years old to a million plays on on spotify uh and that's a it's a silly number and it's a meaningless number but it <clears throat> kind of feels like a a bit of a milestone doesn't it i think just because it's just because it's a big number it is it's it is it's a huge number i i i think anyway but i it's it is interesting how you how you've wonderfully surmised you know the music industry say from the 90s to to, to almost to yeah, all that effort History. of touring History. and yeah mm. no but it's it's invaluable um it's an invaluable perspective because it's and I think you just the ending of that is perfect in terms of you build these relationships and you go door to door introducing yourself and your and your your music and such and then now it's relegated to that number that one spotify number and and that number is of what is ultimately utmost importance to again that word using that word that to your brand yeah yeah and it it is that's the perfect evolution to 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 today that's kind of exactly where it's gone isn't it It, it's weird being kind of how many followers have you got and what's your and uh, the 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 job i had after that kind of rates that summer of radio station promo introduced me to a promotions company who worked in radio um, promotions and i worked i got a job with them bit as a radio plugger so for the the 96 to 2000 i was working in radio promotion um and that's where i made the relationships that enabled me to kind of flip sides and become an artist um and when you're a plugger you you're always moaning about the artist because you've set up an interview for them and they didn't turn up on time or (laughs) you know you're on tour with them taking them around radio stations and they can't get out of bed in the mornings and you're like oh artists oh god what do do we think we're trying to we're trying to help you know just get out of bed turn up and be nice you know come on it's not hard and so you're you're you you I was I had that industry perspective and I'm like okay some sympathy with the artist and then when you when I became an artist or or wanted to become an artist you know in that sense of uh releasing music I tried to learn those lessons myself and to that's probably why I talk too much in interviews just from the years <laughs> of sitting in this kind of situation and I'd be sat in with an artist and I'd be like, yeah, mention the release date, mention the tour that's coming up. 
and and they'd start chatting and and the interviewer would be asking questions and they'd be giving yes no answers and i was flabbergasted i'm like have you got nothing what just elaborate on that a little bit and and you know when you're a new artist you don't have years of anecdotes and gags and things to talk about necessarily mm. but you know there's a thing that that drives you to make music uh l- let's talk about that a little bit um and and again not everybody wants to talk about that some interviews situations are a bit more let's talk about the weather or let's talk about celebrities or let's talk about mm. you know that kind of pop culture um which is why i like doing things with guys like yourself who who want to get into you know yeah. let's get into what drives this this along this this mad kind of uh, road we've chosen yeah um, it's a, it, i think it's, it's it's always fascinating to get to pick people's brains like yourself in terms of it's you know that that desire to to create music you know i i loved what you said earlier about um the goal was just to i guess to to summarize what you said to have an avenue to be able to create music to be free yeah to yeah. kind of create yeah. music in, in a distribution level and I, to, I that's amazing you uh, you and you learn you know as you get older hopefully you learn stuff about yourself and uh the thing i've learned is that doing it makes me happy ultimately you know mm. and um when i'm not doing it or i can't do it i'm grumpy and not so nice to be around um and you know those kind of the 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 human flaws we try and hide uh are a bit more prevalent because i don't have that thing to that that makes me feel good that you know gives me pleasure and enjoyment in doing it um, and it, that's not to say it doesn't come without large helpings of frustration and despair and agony. Uh, and mm. making music is the kind of thing that you you can flip from, I just want to set fire to the studio and never talk about it ever again, <laughs> to this is the greatest two-bar drum break I've ever created <laughs> in the history, you know, that 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 triumph of uh, a hi hat programming, uh, that, that, and that the, the, you've climbed the mountain of baseline uh, that day, and conquered you know the chorus arrangement, mm. um, and the next day you're just like, oh, it's terrible. Why did I bother? You know, I'm glad <laughs> I haven't backed up my computer for three weeks. I wouldn't care if it <laughs> melted down. You know, that these that's the but everybody has that, don't they? We all have good days at work and we all have bad days at work. Absolutely. So there's yeah. perspective to be had on all of it, obviously. Um to yeah. to try and keep uh keep a sense of balance. But yeah, the the if there's a if there's more of the triumphs than there are the pits of despair then i think you're you're out ahead aren't you um, absolutely so... and to discuss one of those triumphs if i if i mean there's obviously we haven't really delved into uh my life at 45 which is you know the album sort of in question which is a i mean that is clearly the result of several very very uh triumphant days you must be very yeah. proud of it in general uh, i am now and and i had i uh, just chatting to trevor yesterday about things at, uh, at trevor jalapino about things that we might be doing you know coming up and um i just said that i i've really enjoyed the process of releasing music again and having not done it for a few years and, and uh 
not to say I haven't been enjoying the music that I've been making, but I worked on um, Izzo Fitzroy's first album. Yeah. Uh, and initially, we thought we'd get together and write some things that might be Dr. Rubberfunk records. Um, but very quickly, I realized that she had a tremendous, um, she is a tremendous talent and uh, amazing songwriter. Um, and that maybe this would be a good opportunity for her to, you know, uh, release that on the world, you know. So again, we kind of talked to uh, Jalapeno and, and as an album kind of grew out of these initial two or three tracks that we'd started working on together. Um, and she had a lot of material and I had some, you know, uh, rhythm tracks and production ideas that I wanted to put into um, into practice. Um, uh, so getting back to, you know, the, I, my ego is uh, uh, a strange beast that needs feeding every now and again. <laughs> and it is quite nice to have your name on the front of a record and for people to go, oh, this is nice. We like this. Um, mm. You know, what? like most people, we like, like to be liked. Uh, <laughs> and that the music is a way of me for way for me to to be able to do that um the some of the music on there is quite old or all the ideas are quite old um and i in fact one of the tracks with Izzo on started life as a little kind of rhythm track idea back before the previous album i think it's sort of 10 plus years old as a little group oh, wow. we put together and it was sort of sat there didn't really do anything with it um and came across it and thought oh, this is quite good when did we do this you know you're like oh i'd forgotten about that one um and i re-recorded some sections to put some new drums on it which changed how it felt uh and then it reminded me of some things that i'd worked on with Izzo. so i sent it to her she was on her way to come and record the other track that she's featured on a matter of time, which we had kind of put together when we were working on her album. Um, and then we couldn't finish it. So we parked it and, and we said, Oh, well, we'll put that on the rubber funk record, you know? And then, uh, she, yeah, she was coming to see me to, uh, record that. Uh, and I sent her this, this kind of ancient demo. Um, and she wrote the lyrics on the train, you know, coming, coming over, uh and the the vote so the vocal that's on a little blase the the second track that she's on on the album um i think pretty much all of it is the first take and maybe we did a couple of lights you know second or third take which i used in the in the final mix but she got here and said i've, I've just been listening to it on the train i've written this what do you think and i'm like yeah let's hit record let's go <laughs> let's get it done um and so songs like that, it suddenly it's been parked for years. And then I'm like, you can hear it with fresh ears and it takes on a new life. Mm -hmm. um, and the track with Ben Castle, the instrumental, and I've worked with Ben since my life at 33 when um, I'd used a big sample, a uh, big kind of jazz sax sample on a track I was working on. And I started doing some research and the, the that particular artist had never cleared a sample and i thought oh we don't i don't want to get into that um if it's going to be hard work so maybe we should just take the idea that 
the sax is a sound I want and we'll get someone to play it. Um, and Ben was recommended to me. Um, and again, he's another kind of musician who, I mean, he's an incredible talent. It's just being in a room with him and listening to him play. I'm like, this is an honor. And I will, I got to sit, I got to sit here and press record. And then I get a performance, a world-class kind of, uh, performance from him. Um, and he's such a nice bloke, uh, that it, it's just like, what this, this isn't work, you know, and those are the days mm. where you're just like, yeah, this is, this is unbelievable. Um, and I hadn't spoken to him for a while. So I sent him a track and I said, oh, how are you doing? Uh, what do you think of this? Do you think you could just play what, you know, do you over the top of this? Um, here's a reference. Here's a thing I was thinking of, but also I was thinking of this, but you know, you do you. And I'm sure it'll be great. And he's got, he's uh, based over in uh, Dublin these days and he's got a studio um, and he recorded some stuff, sent it back. Uh, and he'd sent three quite different ideas um, and styles almost. Um, but he'd, he'd done, you know, multi-track takes for me and lots of harmony parts and layered up the sax Um and it sounded amazing. And I got the parts. I'm like, oh, this is great. And oh, I like that bit. And this is super. And oh, I wonder if I could do that. And the track almost mixed itself after that. And again, that's that was a basic rhythm track that had sat for a while with me thinking, this is good, but what does it need to finish it? And the answer was Ben. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and so that became Canvas Cathedral. Uh, which the, the, and the title comes from that. I forget where I got, it was a quote I'd read about festivals. Um, and the, oh, okay, the idea, yeah. uh, the idea of a big festival tent, you know, being a canvas cathedral with people in there kind of, you know, oh, uh, worshiping, that, of course. A, a new worship. Yeah. A new worship. Um, and it was a phrase I liked and, and it seemed to suit that track. And by the time I'd kind of chopped and looped some of his sax and I'd kind of tried to bring that old school kind of hip hop, 90s hip hop, where you didn't have a lot of time in your sampler, the technology limited you to what you could use. So you picked a kind of two bar loop uh, or a one bar loop and and that was your, uh, you know, three seconds of sampling time. Um, but I wanted it to feel like a kind of uplifting thing that you would you know, want to take your T-shirt off and wave it over your head at a festival, mm. perhaps, and and that and and which is odd because that's not an experience of mine really. I've played, <laughs> I've played at festivals and I love them, but I've never been mad on being a punter at them. The whole camping and you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, six days uh, in a field that you can't really remember at the end of it. Um, that is not my experience but i appreciate that it is for a lot of people and that's that's great uh that um that i can still be a part of that you know by by playing the music that everybody's losing their minds to mm. um, but that's just not a thing i've ever done mm. um despite the fact that it is all around you in the industry you know drink and drug drugs uh, uh are there and they're kind of accepted, but they're a big problem for a lot of people. And that's another thing that maybe is not talked about, uh, you know, the effect that that has on artists and, and I've stayed away from that. And, uh, it's probably been a good thing that I have, uh, because I haven't had to then deal with that at a later stage. 
um, you know, I've got other issues. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, no. <laughs> but, you know, but thankfully, drink and drugs aren't two of them. Is home learning the other one? Home learning right now. <laughs> home teaching, oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that and too many records. That's yeah. the other thing. You know, I'm Compulsive looking... buyer. Uh, I've got enough records. I mean, you know, it's that thing of I could probably not listen to them all now if I started, you know, and didn't stop 24 hours a day. Um, Gosh, wow. But, uh, yeah, I like them. And that's the thing. I don't know why, what it is. There's a whole, there's a, what we were talking about earlier, the, the vinyl, what's the draw, what's the appeal. Um, yeah. And it's the, it's the whole thing, isn't it? And, and of course it becomes a nostalgic thing now at this kind of age, because so many of the records I have, it's the full high fidelity thing. It's the full autobiographical record collection and that every record I can pretty much remember where it came from or why I bought it or where I bought it or where I first played it out when I was DJing or, mm. you know, uh, so that's, and that's my life. And, and so that's the, that's the gag with the album titles. And, and, uh, that's why we felt it was too good to, um, pass up the format speed thing. Um, and then the the forty fives as a format now as 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 seen a bigger resurgence, and I think that's yeah. because there's lots of middle aged DJs who don't want to who like vinyl but don't want to carry a box of twelve inches around because it's heavy, <laughs> and a, and a box of forty fives is not quite so heavy, and our backs are, are, are ruined from years of crouching over decks Gosh. that are not quite at the right height. Uh, <laughs> So, um, would you say yeah. you were on the on like a, a full on collector, or are you just someone that I like to buy oh. music and that's my desired format? Are you yeah. very like? Do you have a clear out of stuff at all? I do, I do rotate stuff through, but not uh, not in any great <laughs> numbers. So I'm, I don't know. I think of collectors of people like Giles Peterson are collectors, aren't they? And and mm. and I think I don't have any of the and and Jasmine Gerald and. And DJ Shadow and uh, you know yeah. and I don't I'm my record collection short but it that I you try and stop worrying about that because these are records I like and I have them and so yeah there is a, it is a collection and I do buy things for certain reasons and there are maybe labels that you get a bit completist about because you want that set yeah. and it becomes a bit kind of um, World Cup football trading cards you know, that, that, that childish, uh, sense of achievement of putting together the Espana 82 squad, uh, you're, you're on your way, aren't uh, you? Uh, you're, 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 you're like, close. okay, so yeah, this is the thing I can, I can have, but maybe football cards take up a bit less space. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but you know, um, so I, yeah, I've got a lot of records. I, yeah. I, I try and use them. I still, it's only really in the last couple of years that I've started even DJing digitally, um, you know, the majority of what I play out if I'm DJing is still on vinyl. Um, and, and, but now of course there's so much great music that isn't on vinyl that I would, that I'd like to have and be able to share with people. So I missed out on the whole laptop Serato thing. I just sort of thought that's the thing I don't right. need to get into, but now I can take things out on a USB stick and plug that into a, 
you know, controller or something. Um, and so that's been a new thing for me. Uh, like, again, it, it changes how you play uh, because yeah. I'm not able to just pull out the same um, well-worn records. Uh, and some of those records are battered now from, you know, 25 plus years of dragging around a bag of records. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like I say, they're, 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 you've, I, I, every record, I could justify why I've got every record in my collection. Um, <laughs> but you try, you think, well, if I'm trying to justify it, then there's an issue, isn't there? And I should, uh, I should think about what I need to uh, keep. Um, well, com- in comparison to the other vices that you said that infects the music industry, I think yours is a safe one. As long as well, the, your wife is okay about yeah. it, then you're, you're, and, <laughs> then you're the, not in any dangerous territory yet. The, the, the structure of the house is uh, is able to... So I'm on the ground floor with the record, so we're all right. We've got, no, we're okay. not going to come <laughs> come through the ceiling. Uh, yes. Middle-aged I'm man. I'm mindful of your... T- well, buried <laughs> under a ton of vinyl... <laughs> there's a headline we don't um, want to see oh geez I'm, I'm mindful of your time but I, I just wanted to talk about one more thing if I may yeah of course um, we kind of touched on it um but I, I think remixes for example are, are something again that you're you're really renowned for and you've got such a great uh, yeah. a catalog of, of remixes that you've put out um I think there's that jalapeno compilation uh, of uh, volume one remixes and edits that you put out with a, just a dream uh, array of 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 mixes that you tackled i mean the on paper they're amazing from uh the nora jones and wax poetic track which i've loved for years and i didn't even know that you know I, that, yeah there were even a remixes of it but your version of that is fantastic and i don't think i've ever seen a harry connick jr remix yeah, well anywhere. some of those ones that are uh that they're there's what uh, what's the best way of putting it semi-official <laughs> Uh, sure, some of them yeah. are definitely unofficial the harry conic one is is an unofficial edit uh, the wax poetic one was kind of official in that um i forget how i was introduced i think it was through the guys that i w- used to work with as a plugger who i was then working with as um who were helping me with my releases and as my publisher and they were working on that wax poetic single, and one of them had suggested me. They were saying, "Oh, we 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 we're looking for some remixes, um, and have you got any one from the UK?" And they, they were releasing that on a US label, um, and my name came up, and they got me the you know the parts, um, and I put together that mix, which the radio team used as a kind of promotional version. So it didn't ever come out on. The official 12 inch i think there's a mm. thievery corporation remix of the same track okay uh from around that time and my mix never made it to uh to an official release but it was promoted quite a lot and it, it got picked up here by a couple of radio shows and and they would keep kind of playing it uh over the kind of following five or ten years and eventually I put it online on my SoundCloud page, I think. And and it's my most played and liked thing on SoundCloud. Wow, really? Um, and people were always saying, oh, how can you put this on here and not have it available for download? And I'm like, well, it isn't really mine to <laughs> give away like that. And in the end, I thought, well, I'll put it on Bandcamp and then I can, I'll deal with the fallout. So if you're listening, uh, anyone from um, <laughs> Ultra Records, <laughs> you know, uh, 
I, you guys probably did all right out of the radio play, and uh, I've had about fifty p from Bandcamp <laughs> for the people who've downloaded it. So, uh, I'll well, we'll, I think they did we'll this out. Quick, I mean, shall we? It's <laughs> um, but, but it's a wonderful mix, and that the, the whole compilation there. You mentioned uh, like your affection for nineties hip hop, and you've got uh, the Gangstar, yeah, remix, which so is brilliant, and the De La Soul one as well. That was from the kind of early two thousands where everyone was getting. Uh, rap acapellas or hip-hop acapellas and, and putting mm. them over their kind of beats um and 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 that idea of the mixtape and and i quite liked doing that uh and i did again as as a kind of a promo thing and you send it to a few djs uh and back when we were sending kind of cds out uh to to help promote uh, the release um and again, that got heard by a friend who was running a, a sort of a semi-official bootleg kind of label. Uh, and he said, do you got any more like that? And I said, oh, <laughs> always with this spare tracks thing. What do you think I'm doing? <laughs> I'm working on something and we're finishing it. Let's not just stuff sitting around. Uh, and I know. So we knocked up a we knocked up a couple more, you know, just like that. Um using my own instrumentals and then putting kind of uh, those classic uh, rap acapellas on. Um, and yeah, they were, they were fun. They were meant to be fun things and they were sort of, you know, DJ tools uh, and the kind of things that I liked finding to, to play. Um, and so, and, and there's an element of making that kind of thing so that people hear it and you, you're able to, it's your kind of, um, portfolio for remix work um and then i got you know to do some nice stuff with the stereo mcs and um mm. bobby hebb who uh the famously wrote sunny uh he had some new music out um around that Amazing. time the mid kind of 2000s and uh i was asked to do something with him and um i enjoy it it's um there's less pressure almost than working on your own release sometimes um there's a bit more freedom to go kind of wild. Um, although I've always been lucky with, you know, tracks that where there's a, a great vocalist or a solid song, I'd, I'm not one for just kind of destroying it and, and taking a kind of two syllable sample of the vocal and, and you know, making some uh, something completely uh, removed from the original song. I just like to maybe reproduce it in a in a different style um, mm. and the re-edit thing is a fun thing to do as well if there's something like the harry conic track and that was just the thing i wanted to dj with um and there was this groove at the end of the track and it was only kind of you know 45 seconds long or something and you think oh well i'll just loop it up a few times and then you start fiddling uh <laughs> uncontrollable fiddling <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then you think, oh well, okay, that that's a maybe again a, a handy little a, a DJ tool for for mm. people to have a bit of fun with. Um, but yeah, the, uh, I'm always up. If any, anyone's listening who needs a remix, I'll, I'll happily uh, here's my calling cut. Take this as an official <laughs> invitation to send me your your remix requests. I've reasonable rates for 2020, uh, despite my advancing years. <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean it's no but it's like 
they'd be foolish to 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 not take you up oh, on it. I we'll, think the yeah, the catalog is incredible. Your, you to say well, it, it's well, it's genuine. It's a it's a sort of a, it's a pleasure to talk to you about just how your your process works and everything. I, I, regarding the remixes, I really want to shout out your your label mates, uh, the, uh, Icon, the the mix that you did for their track. Oh yeah, as well. In fact, that's well, stream. that's reminded me that I think that was the first thing that i did that kind of kick-started the relationship with with jalapeno uh, beyond our initial um, oh, really? conversation of yeah we we could do some stuff together um trevor had asked me to to remix that track and and i uh, yeah again a, re- a really nice song and a really not a really yeah. underrated kind of down tempo release from that kind of classic early 2000s everything had chill out after it didn't it and it and it becomes a yeah. It, it it gets ruined, you know, from from that sense of uh, commercialization. Mm. Um, but you know that period was great for a lot of artists, and there were some super super songs from that period. Um, that you know, okay, some of them are maybe over uh, overexposed now and overplayed. Uh, but a lot of it, you know, it was just nice songwriting, yeah. great sounds. Um, and that icon track I I, I remixed uh, in maybe two thousand and seven, um, and that that then led to some conversations about right, okay, now you've done that, get these get this EP finished for us, and then we'll mm. think about an album. Um, and uh, yeah, so thank you. I'm I'm glad that's nice to talk yeah, about that one because that was a it's a beautiful song. Yeah, and you're right about like I kind of like that Jalapeno will do that every now and then. I think you talk about like boxes that people can kind of get put into, and I think Jalapeno are very much labeled that contemporary funk, soul, almost disco label. But then Icon will will come out with something, or Ephemerals will come out with something yeah, that kind yeah. of changes what yeah. you expect. And I, I think it's really important for labels to to almost change the get those expectations a little bit to flip them a little and uh so icons uh, was a great name I, they, another song that they did was time is running out which is just the most beautiful thing and um but yeah you i mean your your merging of of your 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 worlds with theirs was was perfect oh yeah, thanks yeah. yeah thank you um yeah the, and then and right up to date the one the most recent mix i did was for uh smooth and terrell uh, on their yes album and i think that is like one of the most streamed things on Spotify that I've had, had an involvement with. That's um, uh, and and that, again, that's great because getting to work with John after working with him uh, on the Hot Stone album and yeah. um, having another John Terrell vocal to play with uh, spurred us on to you know. Ever since 2010, we've been saying, "Yeah, we must do another track together. That would be great." And then I did the remix. Um, and then we were like, right, okay, let's get this done now. Uh, and the, so I was super happy to have him singing on the on the new um, My Life at Four. Yeah, album. he kicks so, it off, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom. Yeah, Boom. They're, a, they're, a, they're a funny pair, the old Smooth and Terrell boys. <laughs> have you, have, you, you say that affectionately, to, I imagine. I, yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. No, they're, they're super. Um, it, it's a good... Uh, it is a really good roster on the label and yeah it it, it it it's kind of cliche cheesy thing to say about it feeling like a family but there is a tremendous amount of support there um and it's a small label i mean there's four people working in the office doing all and the release wow. schedule this year is bonkers and you know despite the difficulties that everyone's having at the moment they're putting out such great um there's such great music coming out this year Mm-hmm. um that it is a privilege to to be involved with them and um 
you know, you say about that, that the, the, the boxes that people like to put you in or the, the, those kind of, um, things that you become known for or sounds that an artist or a label become known for. And, you know, you, you, you have those discussions over time and, and, as an artist, you maybe don't want to be making exactly the same thing you were doing two years ago, let alone 20 years ago. Um, and you you kind of don't owe anybody that sound. But equally, people that have, were into that sound don't owe your new sound, you know, their ears, as it were. So you, yeah. it, I, I still find the concept of talking about fans a bit weird. Uh, because that sounds like I don't know why, I don't know, but that, but you know, someone who was a fan of the music I was making ten years ago might not dig the newer songwritery, you know, song based yeah. stuff if they just want to hear the cut and paste kind of DJ tools. And but and I can't expect them to come along with me for everything. Uh, and I think that applies to the label as well. And that you know, you're conscious that there's a commercial side to it that, you know, you're trying to support a label and the roster. Um, but people change and things change uh, and yeah. situations change, circumstances change for, for, for artists and for labels. And so you try and change with those, uh, change with those, those times and those uh, opportunities that we've talked about. Um, you know, uh, I'm very proud of Izzo's brand new record. Um, and I haven't worked on that with her, but uh, I, I say proud in that, you know, proud of what she's achieved. And um, uh, it, it's amazing, you know, seeing her getting the accolades that she's due uh, for the great um, music that she's written for this record. It really is a super listen. And, it, and it's quite different from what Jalapeno were doing five years ago. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and, and I, uh, you know... I'm hopeful that it opens up, you know, new avenues for, for her, not just her music, but for the labels music to be heard, um, around the world. So yeah, exciting. Yeah, it is. It is always interesting about those kind of expectations that people have because you initially get into an artist based on their freedom to have created whatever they wanted to create. Mm. But then when you invest in that person, you, I suppose you can want, maybe not always a certain thing but sometimes you kind of you're happy for them to go in different directions but they can go too far but then from an artist's perspective if you feel the need to only do that one thing that you know people want then are you really being true to yourself and your yeah, art yeah. and yeah i it's think it's that, an incredible tightrope it, isn't it it is and and uh <clears throat> like all relationships um whether that's a relationship that one has with one's own kind of uh creativity or productivity um and it doesn't just apply to those who are you know working creatively whatever it is that you that do for work or for everything that isn't work if you see what i mean if if that makes yeah. any sense your 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 passions and your interests those uh that what you need from that uh changes doesn't it over time and <clears throat> the balance between artist and label is what you have to bear in mind when you get into a relationship with a label um and nowadays as we've kind of discussed you don't need a label to be releasing music um mm. and i could probably 
be self-releasing and you know doing okay but there are advantages to working with the label and there are things that they will do for me that I can't do for myself or I find difficult to do um or I just don't want to do um and I mean we talked a little bit about the artwork and actually I quite like doing that I don't have to do it and they would find someone to do it um and that would give me more time to do something else but actually that concept of kind of start to finish you know that 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 we sat down and recorded wrote some songs recorded them produced them made the physical product and made it look how it looks you know that that for me is uh that's the 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 end goal you know that's the Mm. that's what we were aiming at um but yeah there are a lot of conversations along the way about oh well you know how do you feel about this track should we be doing something different here uh is that better as an instrumental does it need a vocal vocal tracks are often more um useful is not really the word but um uh viable maybe for for radio support or for synchronization you know for tv and film um but you know and they're all considerations because that's a significant um portion of the label's income and my income so you you've got to be mindful of those things and i think um certainly now i i don't have a desire to <clears throat> there, there's no kind of burning creative uh need to make something that is um without compromise i right. i don't I've, i don't know that i've ever felt like that i'm that that if i'm working with people the whole the whole process is is so collaborative um that i've always felt happy to make those compromises i don't think i've ever been in a situation where you know i've had to throw my toys out the pram you know and say i'm not doing i can't work like this Mm. i've never been so insulted in all my life how dare you ask (laughs) me to turn down the bass drum you know (laughs) there 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 are discussions and and you have to try and be uh you conscious of the the reason the other person has brought that up you know why why would uh uh if a vocalist says i can't hear myself in the mix you know what was the point of having me on the record you know then uh that's a problem in that needs dealing with but thankfully mm. i you know haven't had those situations and and whether that's just luck or whether that's because i have thought about it beforehand i don't i suppose i'll never know um <laughs> but yeah i i uh you you kind of watch with interest what other people are doing but you know uh Izzo's path isn't my path smooth and Terrell's path isn't my path and and I'm fortunate that we're kind of heading in the same direction but you know everybody's got their uh their path to tread without sounding pseudo um uh pseudo uh fortune cookie uh quote <laughs> about about life um but maybe that maybe maybe it's not pseudo. Maybe that's more relevant now than 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 ever. That at this period in the kind of world history, which is, you know, largely unprecedented in the last hundred years, isn't it? 
uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that 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 finding your way uh, maybe that's more important than ever. Mm. Uh, without leaving mm. things on mm. too heavy a heavier note. Well, we can we can definitely we still have room to end it on a great note because we yeah. we as I mentioned uh, uh, beforehand we we always end on a closing song. So yeah. uh, and it's it lies to you, sir, to to raise the spirits and send everyone home <laughs> mega happy, mega happy with, with a song selection uh, of of I imagine your own, but it could be anything at all. Well, I'm going to be indulgent and choose one from Absolutely. the uh, from the new record, if you don't mind. Pressure Cracker. Um, and it's a groovy little instrumental. It features two of my close friends, um, Jim, who is playing the lead guitar, and some of the greatest fun I've had playing music has been with him. So uh, that's a nice one to play. And it co-written with uh, another good friend of mine, Jay, who also records as hint or did record as hint for ninja tune and um true oh, thoughts wow. uh and now records yeah, as, as tight knots um and he and i have been working together for well since before hot stone so maybe that's 12 years or more now wow. um and it would be a little kind of you know thursday night funk club and he'd try and come over to my studio and we'd sit and and come up with ideas and record little grooves and and that was one that we just kind of put down some drums uh got a nice loop going got some little riffs uh and then we kind of finish it and look at each other and go hmm what do we need on here needs jim to put some <laughs> it's like let's get he, he's a you know he's the guitarist i i can kind of play about two chords uh jay is a, a very accomplished guitarist and keyboard player and bass player i mean he's the all-round uh consummate uh musician artist producer um so it's it's great to work he's great to work with and um and yeah then we kind of fly jim in for the uh for the solo session um and he he'll just come up with this little kind of lead line uh that it, that makes you think you've heard it before um and it is similar to a lot of the stuff that we used to listen to, the kind of Freddie King instrumentals and then uh, the soul jazz of Grant Green and, and the kind of Booker T drum sound that I was, I've been chasing for, you know, 30 years. Um, and, and, and at the same time, I wouldn't ever want to compare myself to, to the music that they've made. But, you know, I, I can listen back to my own music and hear it for hear it as an album and not be listening to it as a producer or an engineer and not hear the faults and the flaws because that at the end of the day a record is a record it is a record of what we did on that day um that's what we recorded uh that's how it sounded um and there's a reason we liked it and and here it is uh as a song Perfect. It's a perfect pick. It really is. Congratulations on an, just an amazing album and a wonderful addition to an incredible catalogue of music. That oh, you're um, very kind of it's man. just like, well, super of you to and say. you're very talented then. <laughs> so oh, it's, stop it. it's all a testament to you, sir. So uh, <clears throat> I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time today. I've, I've no, just it's been a pleasure. Really, really it's been a pleasure. Yeah, um, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Probably twice um, as long as a non-isolation uh, yeah. <laughs> interview would have been. Can you tell I haven't left the house for? five weeks <laughs> <laughs> sorry, about that. Yeah. sorry about that sorry about that no 
this is i'll condense this to about a 10 minute yeah. chat so it, it's okay. it, imran has been, <laughs> we recorded this way back in april 2020 <laughs> and uh i think uh, i hope things are good for you for christmas 2020 imran has spent six months editing this down into something that's usable you know, I'm gonna, it's going as no. is as is absolutely no i've no. really enjoyed Merry it it's christmas. been a real, real <laughs> sorry it's gone on so long <laughs> we've missed all the development stuff with our children yeah. can your child yeah. write yeah, yeah well hopefully he can he started it <laughs> back in so april long. if he's not still on the same homework his teacher's not going to be pleased oh the anxiety of the school emails coming in and here's some more stuff oh, that we thought you could do. Oh, okay. We haven't finished the last week's. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> are we the only one? We're probably not, are we? It's, well, it'll I hope is be, that you're it'll not. all be fine. 